This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. I said from the very beginning of COVID that God is doing the same thing today that he has been doing for years, decades, and centuries. And that is that he has been revealing brokenness and redeeming it. And so small groups can be the vehicle through which we can participate with God in the redemption of this world. Welcome back to the Transforming Discipleship Podcast brought to you by smallgroups.com. It's a podcast designed for church leaders desiring to make disciples for Jesus Christ in the world. I'm your host, Oliver Hersey, and today we're going to discuss what makes a small group thrive with some special guests, Ryan Hartwig, Courtney Davis, and Jason Sniff. You know, a lot of churches, especially in Illinois, Jason, you understand our context, a lot of churches went to just a pure live stream. And uh, even multi-campuses kind of collapsed into just one big campus with, with one stream. And so everybody's tuning in from their homes. And obviously your homes, you have Team Sniff, you have your own small group in your home, right? Of course. <laughs> yeah. But there is something lost to a degree when we aren't physically together in small groups. So one of the things we've started to slowly do here is we've gathered in groups of 50 or 100 very safely, very you know efficiently. And our live stream is still cooking, but one of the things we want to do now in September is hopefully create some house churches that are very essentially small groups. But again, it goes to your point, Jason, of discipling a lot of new leaders. Not that they have to be Bible experts or teachers, which your research will clearly show as people hopefully dive into your book. But they simply need to be people who care and are hospitable and can facilitate and listen and just create a space and environment for people to be in. So we're seeking to do that. Ryan, if you would have anything that you'd want to add here or any wisdom from your experience of what we could be doing in COVID-19 for our small groups and our ministries that would be different. Yeah, I'll just add a couple of quick things here. The first one is just that as people lead small groups without the typical stuff and resources that they have, their living rooms, maybe nonverbal cues that they can pick up on and discussions and so on. It's going to probably be more important than ever that churches really invest in their leaders. And I know that sounds like a shameless plug for our work. I don't mean it with that <laughs> at all. I mean that with all, with all sincerity. Yeah, yeah, you know, of course. So I've done quite a bit of leadership training and so on over the years. And I think that we oftentimes default, we want to try to help people kind of understand this identity of a leader and what is leadership and so on. When what they really need are skills. They really need tools. They need to know how to actually do stuff. And so I just want to really encourage those, maybe those pastors, ministry leaders who are listening to really think about how do I help our leaders be able to function well in this new environment? Kind of as Courtney mentioned, the, uh, you know, leading a group on Zoom is really different than leading a discussion group in your living room. And so are we resourcing folks to be able to help think about that? So what I think is really important. And the second thing that I would say too, is just to realize that uh, I think I think a lot of us realize this through the spring of kind of the Zoom fatigue, and just realizing you know it takes so much more of us as we engage and we engage in video conferencing and so on. While I think that that sort of kind of directive leadership is really important, like hey so and so speak now, hey so and so speak now, to also think about are there ways that we can kind of just help that environment just like to settle. Like sometimes that means hey y'all let's all turn off our videos. 
We don't need to be trying to take in all these visual cues from 15 other people and look at yourself while you're talking. That's exhausting. You know what? We're going to turn off the videos today, right? We're going to, we're going to realize that. Or let's, let's just do, instead of having a big group meeting today, let's just do phone calls. Let's break off into threes and let's do phone calls. And, and you can just talk and you don't have to be on video and be with the whole group because you're tired. So just being creative like that, I think is really, really important during this era and kind of just realizing, Hey, we're, we're all tired. This is hard. This is one more thing to do, but it's important for us to do it. And so how do we do that in a way that is helpful for us, that helps us to kind of be grounded in a relationship and so on, and helps us to love others and be missional during this time when, boy, what a time for the church to step up. And I think to create a compelling purpose is key. What would some of the purposes be in this current state? I think about a lot of people who perhaps have compounded loneliness right now or anxiety. I often think that COVID-19 has served as like a magnifying glass and it has just sharpened and illuminated a lot of problems that already existed in a magnanimous way. And we're experiencing that from our marriages all the way to our churches and our small groups. So what might some purposes be that would be uh, God honoring and worthwhile purposes for our small groups to pursue. This was kind of inspired by something that Courtney was doing. We were out uh, out in California several weeks ago. We were shooting some, some video for a course we're going to do. And we did a socially distanced barbecue in the backyard there, and it was fantastic. But one of her small group members stopped by, and she had a bunch of donuts. And, uh, and I'm like, why is she bringing all these donuts? And what Courtney said that they were going to do was that all of the different small group members were bringing over their favorite dessert or pastry from town. And then Courtney and Matt were going to divvy those up and then take them back out to everybody else. So all the members of the small group got like 10 different kinds of pastries and whatever as this way of encouragement and so on. And I think about something like that in terms of thinking about a neighborhood or a particular group of people and say, how can we just be a blessing to other people in our community. Maybe there's a home, a residential home or facility or something like that in your town that could use some encouragement. People who've been kind of cooped up for a long time. And could you think about how could we as a group do this wisely in a way that works in terms of, of, of safety and people's comfort and so on, but how can we go and be a blessing to them? Because then what happens when you say, we want to go and bless this residential care facility or these group of people on our street or whatever, you now as a group have to start to talk with each other to figure out how you're going to do this. Who's going to get that? When are we going to meet? How's this going to work? And so on. And all of a sudden, you're now in all these more text conversations, right? Or emails or whatever that tend to then become, well, by the way, how are you doing? How are you feeling about this? Or you're, or you're delivering things and you're standing outside, you know, and, and, and all with your like mask that. on and yeah, with your mask on, right? And you have this great conversation about what's going on and so on. And so I think I would really say, really thinking about kind of more particularly vulnerable populations within, within your city, I think are, is a great place to kind of start there in terms of how can we be a blessing? How can we, how can we bring the light and the love? What if every small group in America decided to ask that question? How can we be a blessing? How can we be a blessing right now? And maybe, Ryan, you have just coined what all small groups need to be doing for the rest of the fall. How can we be a blessing? Whatever model your group is meeting in, whether it's virtual or a hybrid, we are finding ways to do that. Because it, you can obviously have a meeting here on, on Zoom briefly, right, to tackle some details. 
But then obviously there's going to be some in-person connection, like you were just saying, Ryan, where we're in an opportunity to serve and to bless them. I see Courtney, you you nodding, cheering this on. What would you want to? Yeah. One of the things out of our data set that said that the groups that most contributed to their members' individual spiritual growth spent on average 12 minutes each week (laughs) on logistics. And these are not indecisive groups that can't decide who's bringing dinner the next week. That's because these groups are doing something. And so, yeah, to Ryan's point, I think that data point really helps indicate and maybe even gives some leaders some understanding of how to pursue purpose and what will be required in order to pursue that purpose is there is an investment of time and effort and uh, connection um, in order to indeed achieve these purposes that ultimately also produce individual spiritual growth. So would you say that in the fall, if you were to give a church some advice right now or some consulting about, hey, what are we trying to figure out our small groups? We're thinking we're just going to do Zoom only and you know, we'll just do, meet once a week. What would you say is going to be the best model for small groups this fall and how dynamic does it need to look based on some of the things we're talking about here? So I had two thoughts and the first one goes to what we were just talking about. I think the door has just been blown wide open for any group of people to really make an impact in their neighborhood or in our communities. And so I I just want to hone in on that. Like if a group meets online for the rest of the fall and then they go and do this type of action out in the community, we're going to have an influence. And by we, I mean the kingdom of, of God, right? It's going to advance and move. So I feel like that's huge. That's one thing I would give from an advice standpoint. And then I, I think the other door that has blown wide open is to really be able to go deep with groups. And so now, you know, anything and everything is is able to be talked about. But even just a simple question of how are you really doing, getting down into some of the mental health kind of questions that maybe could be masked over in past group experiences. But we all have these roller coasters each day of how we're feeling and how we're doing. And so I would say um, the second thing in the fall for groups to be able to do is to really take a good health temperature of each group member and what's the next step that they need. And then how can the group help them take that next step? I think those are kind of two big, big pieces there. Do you think that that will be easier to do in a virtual setting than in person? Brian and Courtney might have a little bit more to say on this, but I think even one of the findings that we found that makes a group thrive, that helps a group thrive, that contributes to it is the amount of touches leaders and people have outside of their gathering time. And that's what I think will be key there, Oliver, is how people interact outside of their sets, you know, 7 to 9 p.m. on a Friday you know, night or whatever that is. Yeah. That type of interaction, I think, will be pivotal and, and will, will either allow that to happen or not. I remember you guys pointing that out and I, uh, I have experienced back in, with Young Life and, and that's a big ministry that involves quite a bit of relational connection. It is not rocket science at all to just send text messages or Facebook messages and to build and foster those relationships where a safe space is created for people to be vulnerable and honest and authentic about what is truly going on, as you said, with the roller coaster. I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one on a roller coaster, Jason. (laughs) Nope, not at all. I would love to give you guys an opportunity to maybe just cast some vision. You know, what is your team's hope for what might happen in spite of COVID-19 and it derailing a lot of things but also maybe creating, like you said, blowing the doors open and creating opportunity. What is your hope? I said from the very beginning of COVID that God is doing the same thing today that he has been doing for years, decades, and centuries. And that is that he has been revealing brokenness and redeeming it. 
And so small groups can be the vehicle through which, as Jason said earlier, that we can participate with God in the redemption of this world. And so groups is a way to do it. And we are invited to be some incredible supporting characters in this big story that is ultimately written by God and is about God. And so that is really an incredible invitation to step into the story that God's writing. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I would say, you know, what we're seeing right now is we're seeing that the ability, obviously, for us to gather in really large groups um, has diminished. But what is not going to diminish is our ability to meet in smaller groups, um, in our backyards, in our front yards, um, potentially at some point in our living rooms with masks on. You know, I, I know for me, I kind of my my small group journey when I kind of began that it was totally intertwined with discipleship. You know, I thought of my small group as a discipleship group. I know when I started then small groups, I thought of that as discipling other people and so on. And so, what I really hope and what I think I see a real potential for the church internally is that we really focus on our discipleship uh, mandate, our discipleship mission, and that we are gathering together, growing to look more like Jesus wherever we're able to do that. And right now, we're not able to do that in a lot of large spaces. The second thing I think that I really hope that the church can be is, boy, we are in a place right now where our world needs hope. And that hope is is found in the only place where it can be placed is on the risen Christ. I really do hope um, that the church will kind of rise to the occasion. I think that there's lots of things happening. We're seeing that. But boy, I just have such a great hope that in the midst of COVID challenges and even the racial unrest and challenges that we're that we're seeing there right now, that the church can step forward and say, hey, we had this ultimate place of hope. And let's look at the, the answer that Jesus is to all of these challenges, all of these struggles and so on that we are facing. And so I really do hope that we're able to step forward into that. And it, it becomes clearer and clearer to me that the way that that will happen is through proximity, through relationship and being in touch with people in our communities and our lives and so on. And so certainly groups are a way to do that. You guys said it really well. Um, I'm going to go biblical because I'm the pastor, right? Ephesians 4, I think, is what's clear in my mind. Uh, equipping the saints to do the work of ministry until we all reach manhood, a mature manhood, mature sisterhood. If this if this work uh, that we've been on and journeying for a while can do that, that's phenomenal. And I, I feel like that's kingdom success. But really, for all of us, it's how can we find ways for every single person who calls himself a Christ follower to be able to understand their influence and then utilize it. And we think that groups is one of the best vehicles for that, particularly for making disciples who will then make disciples. But whatever we can do for that to happen, the harvest is plentiful right now. There are a lot of people asking questions that they've never asked before about Jesus. Absolutely. I have found that to be true as well. I I have so much appreciated the three of you, and I've appreciated your book. I think to myself, wow, if we can get every group that we're connected to and, and overseeing to be thinking, how can we bless Amen. the world? We will yeah. be growing. And, and through that, there will be things like prayer and logistical planning and contact and community. And there will be opportunity for new groups to rise. And so for people like myself and you, Jason, that are involved with the disciple, discipling up and raising up of other leaders, that is ample opportunity. I am excited personally to give every leader a copy of your book because I find it to be so clear and helpful and spot on. It gives words to a lot of things that I internally think and feel. And you guys have so eloquently put together, I think, a masterful 
template for leadership here that is inspiring, and I think it can easily be leveraged for this context. So leading small groups that thrive, five shifts to take your small group to the next level. We didn't even talk about the five shifts. Those five shifts are awesome. We at Small Groups have been really grateful for the ways we've been able to serve you guys and your team in this project. It's a blessing to be in partnership with you guys. Um, it's truly a book. I'm going to say this. I'm not even going to let anybody else say it. It's a book that has to be on the shelves of every pastor's and small group pastor as it's full of just simple wisdom and cogent advice for how to raise up leaders and build small groups that thrive. So thank you, my friends. Thank you, Courtney and Ryan and Jason. We are so grateful for our time. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's a joy to be with you. Thank you. Yes. It's our pleasure. And this episode of the Transforming Discipleship Podcast has been brought to you by smallgroups.com. I'm your host, Oliver Hersey. I'm a pastor in the Chicago area. We want to thank all the ministry leaders who've tuned into this episode. If you're finding this podcast helpful to you in your ministry, please share it with other ministry leaders. And would you do us a favor? Would you rate us right after this episode? We appreciate that so much. And as always, if you need more ideas or resources, we hope that you'll visit smallgroups.com to order books, Bible studies, and other training tools that will help you continue to build your small group ministry. You can also subscribe to get unlimited access to great materials that will help you to train your leaders and get ready for the next ministry season. And of course, don't forget, get this book, Leading Small Groups That Thrive, Five Shifts to Take Your Small Group to the Next Level by Ryan Hartwig, Jason Sniff, and Courtney Davis. Until next time, my friends, God bless. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast, two clergy of different traditions. Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.